Amen, church. You know, nothing compares to the promise we have in him. Amen? You know, it would be impossible. This is an amazing day. Man, we're so glad you're here. Um, it would be impossible to overstate the significance of the resurrection, right? Let me try that again. I'm going to try it over here. It would be impossible to overstate the significance of the resurrection. Amen? You cannot overstate what this means for us. You can be seated. Go ahead. Have a seat. But it is impossible to overstate what this day means for all of eternity. This isn't just a, listen, the resurrection isn't a localized event, you know, where you have things that happen locally or in, in space and time and, and they, they impact that moment. But there, there's no way to adequately capture the significance of the moment that Jesus began to breathe again. And he came out of that tomb. There's no way, like, some of you probably enjoyed the moment last night where Gonzaga one in the buzzer beater. How many saw that, right? Pretty cool moment. Did anybody see it, right? So maybe online you saw it. That's why you're still online. You didn't wake up for church. But that's okay. We love you anyway. But um, amazing buzzer beater, right? Like just a cool thing. But that, that, stu- that kind of stuff, man, this, this, these things of this life dwarf in comparison to what Jesus Christ, the Lord of all of the universe, did for us 2,000 years ago. There's no way to overstate the significance of this day and of this moment. So, man, I hope that I do. I'm going to do my best to give it some measure of justice today as we open God's word today. But let me just welcome you. We are so glad that you are here on this Easter Sunday. I pray that this day is a blessing to you as we celebrate the risen Lord. We welcome you online. If you are joining us, as they said earlier, from a, a car, if you're on a treadmill, if you're at home at the beach, man, we love you and are so glad that you're tuning in today. And even for those of you who are in the building on this campus, but over the Next Gen Center, man, we love you guys and are so glad that uh, you are joining us as well. Um, I believe that God has something for us today. You know, I think there's a, there's a danger in Easter because there's so many other things that can that can get our attention on Easter, right? There's the, we all like to look nice and dress nice and put on our Sunday best, there's egg hunts, there's egg baskets, you know, welcome our kids in the room, right? Hey, kids, we love you guys, so glad that you're here today. Some of you children are thinking about getting home, and maybe there's an egg hunt, or there's an Easter basket, or there's a, a scavenger hunt, or there's something that, that you're going to do as a family to commemorate this day, and those are really important traditions, and those are important things to do with your family. I love that stuff, but the danger in Easter is that we would, we would lose sight of, it, it, it's for any big holiday, Christmas, Easter, that we would lose sight of the fact that God isn't taking the day off. Let me explain that. Like, you know, we come to church and, and we kind of go through the motions. And that, it's good to be here, right? I'm so glad we're here. But I wouldn't ever want us to come to church on an Easter Sunday and, and celebrate the resurrection, but kind of have this idea or this envision that God is kind of sitting back like, you know what, it's, it's all good. Let's just kind of gather together and, and worship. While that's a part of it, don't ever think for one moment that God isn't already in this room by the Spirit of God, and he's ready to do something in somebody's life today. You know, it's not Easter for no reason. Like, God is here. The living Jesus walked out of that grave 2,000 years ago, and he is here by his Spirit, and he is available to do something in someone's life today. Amen, church? Like, posture yourself to receive from God. I don't know what he's going to do, but the Spirit of God doesn't need me to know, right? He is here. He is ready, willing, and available to minister to your life. And some of you are here because, man, you've been following Jesus for 40, 50, 60 years. 
You know, some of you are here and you just came against your will. You're like, okay, I guess if you twist my arm, I'll go to Easter church and I, this is what we do, I guess. I have to be there. But I don't care wh where in between you are of that continuum. God is here and his eye is on you. And I'm praying that God surprises you and gets your attention today in a way that you don't expect and that God would do something in your life. Uh, we are talking about the power of God today. Of course, it's Easter Sunday, so the power of the resurrection is, is present. We are thinking on those, those terms. As Melissa said earlier, we are wrapping up a series that we've done uh, for the last six weeks called What is Real? We've looked at different aspects of life and of creation and examined them as means by which God is wanting to get our attention and point it towards him. There's a lot of things that, that exist in this world, love, freedom, justice, beauty, um, spirituality, all those things kind of exist in our, our, our earthly life, but they're all designed by God to point us back to him. But they sometimes uh, get corrupted. They sometimes get uh, hijacked by humans, and, and we lose our focus on those things. And when we talk about power, I don't think there's any one of those signposts that, that holds more power or more opportunity to be corrupted. In fact, I would say that power has an unrivaled ability to bring corruption. You think about government, politics, companies, the world empires across the globe throughout history, power has an unrivaled ability to corrupt. And when we talk about the resurrection, we talk about God's power, this is where we turn to be reminded what true power looks like in our world today. And so we're gonna be digging into the Gospel of Luke. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn there, Gospel of Luke chapter 24. We're going to look into the story of Easter. I think it's very important uh, to engage with the story. For some of us, man, we've been in church. I've been in church all my life. So the stories of Easter and of Christmas and these common stories can lose some of their, their suspense, their engagement. And so I want to encourage us to kind of lean in and engage with the story. Because it's impossible, right? On, when we think about the story of Easter, it's impossible to be held in suspense, are you with me? Like, we know how the story goes. It's not like, it's, it's not a nail biter today. Like, oh, I, like Jesus died on the cross and now he's in the tomb. Like, I wonder what's going to happen. Easter isn't a nail biter. Like, we know. We know what we believe in this church, that Jesus came out of that grave. So it's not a nail biter. There's no suspense anymore. But I want us to insert ourselves into the lives of those people who were experiencing this firsthand. And when we remove ourselves from our 21st century context and we get ourselves into the story and into the footsteps of the people who walked that walk and were, were wondering and not even knowing and confused about the story and about Saturday, the, the quietness of like mourning and grieving over the death of their Lord, they had no idea what was about to happen and they were confused. Let's, let's insert ourselves in there as we engage with the story. Again, Luke chapter 24, um, it says this. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, let me get a show of hands. How many of you are morning people? Raise your hand. No, you're not. You came to 1130. You're not a morning person. Like, give me a break. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, but how many, raise your hand again. How many of you are morning people? All right, put your hands down. How many of you are not morning people? Raise your hand. Same as nine. Like, that was the, the overwhelming majority of people were not morning people. How many of you that are not morning people, you raise your hand, how many of you are this person that you know exactly how many minutes you need in the morning to get yourself up and out the door on time and still not be late? Raise your hand. Right? I, I know some people like that. Um, 
It's, it's fun to watch. That's not me. Like, I, that makes me very uneasy. Like, I like to have lots of margin in the morning. But there are people, like, some of you are those people, like, you're just, you rush out of the door, and you, you're on time every time, and then you look back, you're like, it worked again. Like, why do I need to change, right? Like, it worked for me. You know, let me, let me read this again. Very early in the morning, let me just tell you that Jesus was a morning person. I thought that would be like a lead balloon. Like, it's, it's not condemnation, but listen, he was an early riser, right? That was a terrible, nobody thought that was funny. Remember, he rose from the dead, early riser. Wow. I'm cra- crash and burn, baby. But listen, so get in the story, okay? So Jesus, remember this, that he is always available, no matter what time you wake up. If you're a morning person, an afternoon person, Jesus is available for you, right? He's always ready and willing to get involved, to roll up his sleeves, and to get involved in your life and in your circumstances and minister to you no matter what day of the week it is. So back to this story here. What we have is we have a, a few women who are coming to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body. Uh, Luke, uh, and again, I'm going to grab from different elements of the Gospels. If you're new to church, we have four different uh, books in the Bible in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and these four men told the story of the res- resurrection from different perspectives and vantage points. And each of them, led by the Holy Spirit, provides different, unique details that fill in the gaps and paint a complete picture of the story of the resurrection. And when you harmonize the four stories of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John together, you get a complete picture of what happened on that day. So I'm going to be drawing from each one of those accounts uh, in the Bible. And what we learn is that there were probably five or six women that were coming to the tomb that day to anoint Jesus' dead body. It was one of the things of their culture that after somebody had died, they would come and they would continue to anoint the body and embalm it and part of the embalming process. And it's, it's interesting that they were preserving a dead body. From my perspective here, I'm like, why are we preserving something that's already dead? But that's what they were doing. They were coming to the tomb and they were confused. They, they knew that there was a boulder there, okay, because they were present. They, they encountered the story. They saw it all happen. They knew that there was a, a very, now this is a small stone, right? This one probably weighs 400 pounds. I looked up online, they say that a stone, limestone, sandstone, weighs about 150 pounds per cubic foot. So this is probably three or 400 pounds. The stone that was used to seal the tomb of Jesus probably weighed 5,000 pounds. And these five women who were coming to the tomb that day, as we're going to read in Luke chapter 24, they were talking to themselves and they said, well, how are we going to roll the stone away? They're carrying their, their jars and the, their perfume and the nard and all these things that they would use to anoint the body of Jesus And they're wondering to themselves, how are we going to move that stone? Not to mention that there were guards posted by the tomb. Matthew tells us that on that day, because the Jewish leaders, didn't, the people who put Jesus to death, did not want any funny business around the tomb. It was very important to them that Jesus stayed dead. Are you with me, right? Like, it was very important to the people who put Jesus to death that he stayed dead. They didn't want any funny business of the apostles, the disciples coming and trying to to steal his body and to to create a new hoax that now this guy who we put to death on a cross is back to life again. They They couldn't take the risk and the chance of that happening. So they had guards posted, armed guards, and a 5,000 pound stone around the tomb of where they laid the dead body of Jesus. So these women are coming to the tomb to anoint the dead body and, and they're wondering, well, how are we gonna move the stone? When they show up, they come upon a scene that they didn't expect. They come upon a scene where the, the stone had already been rolled away. And now Matthew tells us what happened. Again, when you, you piece the Gospels together, you hear 
that an angel from heaven had broken through the atmosphere of earth. And when he did so, it created an earthquake in the local region. Literally, when this angel appeared, Matthew says there was an earthquake, and the guards that had been posted on the sides of the stone literally were seized with fear and collapsed like dead men. And so now these women walk, they're just, again, carrying their stuff. Five or six, they're walking up onto this, this situation, and they find the stone already rolled away, and they see the guards laying by the tomb. Now, what would be going through your head when that happens? I can't even imagine what I would be thinking, like, what on earth? Because the stone had one job, right? The stone had one job. You had one job. Nothing gets in, and nothing gets out. But listen, it doesn't matter how much of an obstacle is in your way. When the God of the universe is involved, God is in the business of moving stones. Amen, church? Can you imagine, like, imagine the angel coming down. Out of heaven, he literally bursts into the, to space and time, and he rolls 5,000 pounds of stone away, and he just kind of like takes a seat. Now, again, I just want us to insert ourselves in the story. Can you picture that? Imagine an angel of the Lord sitting on a 6,000-pound rock that was sealing the dead body of Jesus in a tomb. I, I, I go to the scene in heaven. Imagine what it was like in heaven before the angel was selected. Imagine the angels like in heaven, like, I wonder who gets to go move the stone. Can you, like, it, what, what if that happened in heaven? What if there was this like conversation among the angels talking in heaven, like, I wonder who gets to do it. Then all of a sudden, God looks out and says, and the angel's like, like, Me? Because we all know how much, how much fun it is to be the messenger of good news, right? Raise your hand if you'd like to tell somebody good news. Only 10 of you? Come on, how about in the next gen center? How many love to be the bearer of good news? It's so much fun to like bring good news. Can you imagine how that angel must have felt? That he was chosen by the God of the universe to burst into time and space and to roll the stone away where the body of Jesus would start to breathe again. And then he was going to sit there and perch himself. Matthew says he literally sat on the stone. And he's probably just like, oh, man, when are they getting here? Like, I can't wait to tell them. Like, come on. Like, what time is it? Like, when are these women going to show up? Not that women are late. I'm not saying that. Okay. But he, imagine, like, he's thinking, when are they going to get here? Like, I can't wait to tell them that he's not here. Listen, friend, again, I said earlier, God is in the business, and he is at work today. And I don't know what stone you're waiting for God to move in your life, but I believe it would be just like God to do it on Easter Sunday. God is in the business of moving stones, rolling them out of our lives, obstacles that we face. And it would be just like God to do something in your life today. Not Because we, we come to church, we, we don't expect God to move. It's Easter Sunday, like, box checked. Like, I, I dressed nice, I came to church, and... And all of a sudden, God does something in your life. Because that's how it was for the ladies at the tomb. They were not expecting what had happened that day. So let's go ahead and pick it up in the story in verse 2. I do realize I'm only in verse 2, by the way, okay? So it says, They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, so again, they're just very confused right now at this moment. They, they know what happened. They watched their Lord hang on a cross. They saw the nails. They saw the spear. They saw Jesus breathe his last breath just two days ago. 
And they know what happened, so they expect to find the dead body of Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, I love this. this these are some of the, my favorite words in all of the accounts of the resurrection. These two angels now appear to the women. They're in the tomb. They're, they're confused. All of a sudden, these men appear in very bright clothing, and the women are like overwhelmed. Any one of us would have been overwhelmed at that moment. Like, what is happening here? And the men, the men, these angels say to them, they say this, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Come on, is that not a powerful statement that echoes through all of eternity? They looked at these women who were terrified. They said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Then they said, he is not here. He has risen from the grave. And notice in the text, it's not a period, right? Like, again, I don't know how you read the Bible, but when I look at the story, I'm, 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 not, I'm not seeing the angels kind of hands in their pockets like, yeah, you know, hey, just, a, just an FYI, just a quick note here that Jesus isn't here, you know. He kind of rose from the dead. Like, there's an exclamation point behind this sentence. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. What do we say at Easter? He is risen. He is risen indeed. Okay, we got, can you imagine that moment? Again, the ladies are still confused, like, what on earth is happening here? Like, there's angels, these men in bright suits, like, what on earth? So then they continue the conversation. And they, these are the angels speaking. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. So now they're going to quote Jesus to the women to kind of jog their memory. While they're still in, in kind of shock mode, he's going to jog their memory. He said, they said this. This is what Jesus said. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. So the angels remind the ladies in the tomb that came to anoint a dead body. He's not here, he's risen. They remind them that Jesus had already told them this would happen. It's like, hey, listen, just so you know, like, ladies, Jesus told you this was going to be the case. He told you he wasn't going to stay dead, but he was going to come back to life. So Luke goes on and says this. When they came back from the tomb, it says, then they remembered his words. Verse 9. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. I love this verse 11. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense to them. So again, put yourself in this story. Imagine you were the, the, the people who discovered Jesus was no longer in the grave. And you find a 6,000 pound stone rolled out of the way. You see soldiers collapse like dead men. And then you encounter two angelic beings who tell you that the guy that you came to put anointing on is no longer here. He has risen. So you're stunned, you're shocked, you're overwhelmed. Now you run back to the disciples. Imagine how you would tell that story, right? Because what Luke says is it came out like nonsense. Again, if, if you've ever told a story, something really cool happened, something amazing happened, you kind of fumble over your words, right? You're like, uh, there was this, there was an angel, the, the rock in the tomb, and then Jesus wasn't there, the, the clothing, and like, the disciples are like, what are they talking about? Because again, the Bible tells us that the disciples did not believe what they said. The, the, the disciples, Peter and John, then begun, began to run to the tomb. They're like, well, these women clearly have hallucinated because what they're explaining to us makes no sense at all. It's like nonsense to them. And so Luke tells us, he said in verse 12, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. 
Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Peter now finds the same scene. The angels are probably gone by then. The, the body of Jesus no longer present. All Peter discovers is the linens that Jesus had been buried in are there. And Peter walks away like, huh, wonder what happened. You know, friend, people, friends, people are still wondering today what happened to the body of Jesus. In fact, uh, one of the gospel writers tells us that the chief priests and the elders of the Jews met together with the guards that had passed out when they saw the angel come by. Those guards were terrified for their lives because they failed. They had one job, right? They're only, it wasn't a hard job. Keep the dead man in the grave. Like, how hard is that? Is anybody with me? Like, that's not a hard job. Meanwhile, there's a 6,000-pound boulder blocking the dead man in the grave. So now these soldiers are screaming, like, what do we do? Like, we failed. Like, they go back to the chief priests, the elders. They get paid a large sum of money to begin to circulate the story that the disciples came in the middle of the night and stole the body of Jesus. What were you doing, Hoss? Like, where were you? When did it, I guess you were sleeping on the job. So they literally said, if anybody gives you or questions this, the chief priest, the elder said, we will satisfy them as well. Right there, money. They had power, right? And so they had the power to circulate a false story about what happened to the body of Jesus. But friend, can I tell you what I believe happened to the body of Jesus? You believe it too, right? Jesus Christ, the Lord of the universe, after an angel came out of heaven, rolled the stone away, Jesus Christ, the Bible says, woke up from the slumber of death. And the Son of God and the Son of Man walked out of that tomb on his own recognizance, church. You can clap for that. Jesus Christ, the God of the universe, came walking out of that grave alive and well. He rose from the dead. It's a powerful moment. And you know, you, people say, well, I don't know. What's the evidence for that? Well, some of the evidence is that the writers of the Gospels chose to use women as the ones who would tell the story because in that culture, the testimony of a woman wasn't trusted. Praise God, we've come a long way since then. But 2,000 years ago in the ancient Near East, they did not, listen, the testimony of a woman wasn't even admissible as evidence in a court of law. Women weren't allowed to even give a testimony in a case or a trial. Yet the gospel writers chose to tell us that the women were there first and discovered the empty tomb. You know what that tells me? The gospel writers weren't making this up. They were just telling the story as it happened, my friends. And the God of the universe came walking out of that grave. But listen, there, there is more that happened on Resurrection Sunday than simply that Jesus came walking out of a grave. Let me read to you some of the things that also happened 2,000 years ago on resurrection morning. Jesus Christ unlimited, unleashed unlimited grace, hope, and mercy. Restoration for broken lives and relationships. Forgiveness of sin. Rescue for the brokenhearted. Healing for the crushed in spirit. Abundant life now and life, eternal life forevermore. Freedom for the captive. Release from darkness for the prisoner. Comfort for those who mourn. Beauty in exchange for ashes. That's what Jesus did for us. 
peace in the midst of the storm, strength in our weakness, every foul curse of the enemy broken, every evil work of the enemy destroyed is what the Lord of the universe did for us on Resurrection Sunday. Recovery of sight to the blind, lame will leak, the mute leap, the mute will speak, the dead will live. Effective declawing and defanging of Satan. There's an enemy in our lives, right? His name is Satan. But Jesus Christ took his claws and his fangs that day. Again, this is metaphor, but you, you're with me, right? An open gateway to the fullness of the spirit. Peace for the mind. Hope for the soul. New life for the spirit. A clean slate for every tomorrow. Crossing over from death to life. Crossing over from death to life. Redemption for all mankind. The power to appreciate real beauty. The power to embrace real spirituality. The power to experience real freedom. The power to enact real justice. The power to know real truth. The power to experience real love. And the power to share it with others. That's what Jesus did. The power to know Jesus Christ and experience true salvation. The power of the resurrection changed everything. The power of the resurrection has changed everything. You and I know that the resurrection, if you guys could put that, you see what he's done, right? And listen, when I look at that list there behind me, I want to tell you that that's just the cliff notes, right? There's more that Jesus has done for you and for me. When he died on the cross and when he sauntered out of a borrowed tomb, no less, Listen, when you borrow something, you have intention of returning it, right? Why? Why do we borrow things? Because I, I only need it temporarily. Do you know that Jesus was bar- buried in a borrowed tomb? He only needed temporarily. I, listen, I just need it for a couple of days, friends. That's what the God of the universe, he only needed the tomb for two and a half days. A borrowed tomb he came out of. This is the Cliff's Notes of what Jesus has done for us through the resurrection. He brought us life. One of the most powerful statements ever made in the scripture is found in 1 Corinthians 15. The Apostle Paul wrote this verse. And, and the Bible is so honest about its own claims, right? Listen to the words that Paul, Paul wrote to the believers in Corinth. He said, if Christ has not been raised, in other words, if Jesus is still dead, he said this, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Paul wrote to these believers in a city called Corinth. He said, if Jesus Christ is still dead, then you, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. Listen, verse 19. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. Paul said that if Jesus Christ is still dead, then you and I, are to be pitied more than all people in this earth. Why? Because we are following the legend, an urban legend of somebody that is still dead, yet we claim that he's alive. And here's the deal. Here's the bottom line. If Jesus is still dead, then none of this matters. Like, it's okay to be a good person, right? I I commend us all in wanting to be moral people and live by some sort of ethical standard. But friends... The, the, the Bible is so honest with its own claims. If Jesus Christ is still dead, then none of this really matters. Because someday you and I are going to die and breathe our last breath, and we're going to be buried in the ground, and 
or we just won't, we'll cease to exist. But friend, if Jesus Christ is alive today, then can I submit to you that nothing matters more than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Nothing could possibly have greater significance and impact in our lives today than the resurrection of Jesus if he truly came out of that grave 2,000 years ago. Nothing matters more. You say, well, how do, I, how do I receive that into my life? I am here against my will on Sunday. I'm listening. Like, I don't want to be here today, but, but, but the Holy Spirit is maybe working on you. How do I get that in my life? Can I tell you that you get the, the, the gift of salvation the same way that Jesus brought us salvation? Through surrender. You know, I have a white flag up here. This is the, the universal symbol of surrender, right? Can I tell you that while Jesus is Lord of the universe and he's credited with the creation of the universe, he also led the league in surrender. Jesus surrendered to his Father's will. He said, God, not my will, but yours be done. When he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus surrendered to a rest. Are you kidding me? Listen, Jesus always, 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 Jesus had the upper hand. He was never, Jesus was never on the ropes, my friend. He was never wondering, what am I going to do next? Like Jesus, when he got arrested in the garden on Friday, surrendered. He willingly surrendered to those people to take him under address, arrest. He surrendered to the flogging post. He surrendered to the mockery, the beatings. He surrendered himself to having people, his own creatures, spit on his face for you and for me. He surrendered himself to the cross. At any moment in time, Jesus could have called down a legion of angels and delivered him from the pain of the cross. But Jesus surrendered to the pain for you and for me. And ultimately, Jesus surrendered himself to the grave. He surrendered himself to death only temporarily so that we could have life. Mind you, Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to help dead people live. That's why Jesus died, to give us new life in him. So how do I do that, Scott? I, the, the, the only thing you need to do is do what Jesus did, surrender. Jesus, I surrender. I surrender my will, my life, my efforts, my own religiosity. I surrender. Now, the problem is some of us don't know how to surrender. Some of you have, some of you have several of these. You know, for, you're like, oh, I, I'll surrender this area of my life. Like, okay, and I'll surrender this area. Like, I have different areas. And I'm going to surrender these bits and pieces of my life. But that's not what God's looking for. Some of you wave one of these feeble things. You sheepishly surrender, like, you know, you've been to church before, and you're like, like, I surrender. You got like this little two-cent flag, and you're, you surrender just a little part of your life. Just a little piece of you. Like, yeah, if I, can, if I can keep all of these things just the way they are, God, this, doesn't, this part of my life doesn't require change, and I'll just surrender just a little piece of me. And that's, you think that that's how you 
can receive the power of God. Or some of you have a lot of them. Like, you know what? I'll just bring all of my vices to Jesus. And I've got all these different flags. I'll surrender all of them. And all these different parts of my life. Just, But you're still compartmentalizing. <clears throat> you're still imagining as if you can surrender part and not the whole. Can I tell you, friends, that in, in love, this is not what God's looking for. This is not why Jesus died, so you could conditionally surrender various aspects of your life. He didn't die so that you could conditionally surrender your bad habits and your addictions. Listen, Jesus died so that you could give a full, unconditional surrender to the Lord. The only kind of surrender that Jesus is looking for is wholesale, unconditional, I turn my life over to Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life. This is the only kind of surrender. Listen, real power comes through real surrender. This is okay. This is, this is not bad. It's a start. But friend, what Jesus died for is for you to surrender unconditionally to new ownership, unconditionally to his work in and through your life. And I said from the beginning of this message, God is not sitting back on a lazy boy in heaven thinking, let's just get together and have a good day. God is here by his spirit and he wants to do something in somebody's life today. And the, perhaps the only way for you to make the stones go away, for you to disappear, the stones to disappear, is for you to unconditionally surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. Full transfer of ownership, not in part, but in whole. Jesus didn't just sacrifice part of his life. He surrendered it all. I dare I say he modeled the way so that we would follow in full surrender to him. And nothing could be more important for you on Easter Sunday, April 4th, 2021, than for you to walk out these doors, than for you to walk out of the Next Gen Center, than for you to log off online, joining us online. Nothing could be more important and more significant for you today than for you to make a decision to unconditionally surrender to Jesus Christ and walk out of this room and log off online knowing that you know that you know that you know that you turned it over to Jesus on Easter Sunday in 2021. You handed over the reins and you said to Jesus what Jesus said to the Father, not my will, but yours be done. I'd like everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. I just want to give an opportunity same thing in the Next Gen Center, same thing online. Please, just for a moment, bow your heads, close your eyes. I want to give you an opportunity to make the decision to surrender your life to Christ. There's no pressure here, but I want to give you, lead you to the gift of eternal life today through Jesus Christ. And it's so easy. There's nothing complicated about it. All you have to do is decide today that you are a sinner in need of a Savior, and you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And I'm going to count to three today. When I get to three, if that is you, if you're here today and say, Scott, it's me. Like, I didn't expect this today. I'm here just to check a box. But God is touching me. God is dealing with me. 
God has shown me something today about myself I didn't know, and I realize that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I want to surrender my life to Him. When I get to three, I just want you to slip your hand up. Same thing in next gen. When I get to the number three, just slip your hand up and wave at me. One, two, three. Anybody, I, I see those hands. Anybody else? Anybody else? Keep, raise your hand. Listen, don't anybody walk out of this. I see all these hands. Praise God. I see all these hands. Praise God. Anybody else joining us online? Click the button below. Let us know you've raised your hand. Next Gen Center. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. Not going to rush this moment. Anybody else at all? See, Scott, it's me. Both hands, man. It's me. I need to unconditionally surrender to Jesus. Thank you, young man. I see that hand. Thank you. All over this room. Praise God. Praise God. You can put your hands down. I'm going to pray with you in just a second. Again, I'm just going to reiterate something I said. When we talk about surrender unconditionally, it's surrender without condition. Like, Jesus, I give it all to you. My heart, my life, my decisions, my mind, my thought processes, everything. I just turn it over to you, Lord. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. I want you all to pray with me. Next Gen Center online in this room. Say this prayer with me. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And this prayer doesn't save you, but your belief in Christ and your surrender to him will save your soul on this Easter Sunday. Say this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I'm asking you right now, everybody pray with me, to do what no one else can do. On this Sunday, I unconditionally surrender my life to you. I believe that you died on the cross as a payment for my sin, and I believe that you rose to life on Easter Sunday. And so on this Sunday, I give my life to you, and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In your name I pray, amen. Church, can we celebrate the new life that happened in this room today? Come on. Wow. Listen, for those of you who raised your hand in this room, online, Next Gen Center, listen, your, your life should never be the same again. On your way out, we maybe have some volunteers that have a, a bag for you with information, a um, little book called Next Steps, a little card that you can fill out. We'd love to have a record of your decision today. You can also, there's gonna be a number on the screen it doesn't matter if you're in the room or joining us online, you can click the link below, but on the, you can just text the word follow to that number on the screen, 484-334-4312. Text the word follow, even if you're here, especially if you're online, Next Gen Center. Text the word follow to that number, and we will be in touch with you, not to stalk you, but to help you in this next season of your life. We wanna walk with you in this journey. Because if, if I were you, you're probably sitting here like, okay, I came to Easter, I raised my hand, the, the preacher stood on a rock, like I don't know what happened there, but what do I do now? What's next? That's why we want your information, because we want to come alongside of you and help you as you take your next steps in new life in Christ. That's what we want to help you do. We also want you to come back next Sunday. Um, 
I said, we said earlier, we're gonna do a brand new series called the Red Letter Challenge. For the next seven weeks, we are going to study the words and works of the one who came out of the grave. We're gonna look at what he said, because if Jesus said it, it's good enough for me. So we're gonna study the words of Jesus. We've got a book for you. If you would plan to join us and wanna read along with us in a daily devotional, this book is outside on your way out today. You can pick one of these up. Take one if you plan to join us. You can make a donation if you like. But um, we want to make sure that you have this and you can join us in this series uh, starting next Sunday. We are so excited. I am so pumped uh, to walk with you through this series of studying the words and works of Jesus Christ. Everybody feel blessed today? Say amen. Stand to your feet. We're going to close in prayer. Our team's going to, uh, we're going to worship on the way out. Let me, let me say this just so that we know kind of how we're going to dismiss the room. I'm going to close in prayer. We're going to pray for you that you have an amazing and blessed Easter Sunday. Our guest services team is going to dismiss the, the stadium seating first. And then once the stadium seating is finished, then we're going to dismiss those of you who are sitting on the floor just so that we're not all clumped up and clustered on the way out. But um, I pray that, that the Word of God impacted your life, and I pray that you leave here energized by the resurrection. We need to, church, we need to always be energized by the fact that God moves stones in our lives. He rolls stones away and he can do it in your life today. Let's pray as we dismiss today. Father, what a joy to gather on Resurrection Sunday. Thank you, God, for every person in this room. Thank you, God, for everyone who gathered online today for joining us in the Next Gen Center. And God, we just pray a supernatural blessing on your people today. I'm asking you, Father, in the authority of the name of Jesus, that you would surprise somebody on the way out of this room today. Do something supernatural in their life, God. Maybe heal their body. Release the pain in their back. Restore a relationship. Heal a marriage. God, do something supernatural today as we dismiss this service. And God, I pray that you would allow your favor to fill our lives in abundance. Let your blessing and your grace fill our lives as we surrender our lives to you. Bless your people now as we dismiss this service on Easter Sunday. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have an awesome awesome Easter Sunday. We love you guys. Have an amazing day. Thank you so much for joining us for Easter Sunday. I hope you feel encouraged by the power of our risen Savior and the freedom that gives us. We'll be continuing this conversation this Wednesday in our Growing Together episode. You can join the conversation on Facebook, YouTube, and our GT Church podcast. And don't forget to come back to join us at 2 and 4 p.m. for our GT Kids Easter Jam. It's a party big enough for the whole family. We're also excited to get started with the Red Letter Challenge next week, diving into the words of Jesus to give you practical daily challenges to help you reflect Christ to the world. As you can see, we've got a lot of things happening here at GT Church, and we don't want you to miss out on any of it. 
You can stay connected with GT Church all week long by following us on social media everywhere at GT Church Online. You can also download our GT Church app. It's a great resource and you can find everything you need there. Again, don't forget to join us for our Going Together episode this Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Have a great rest of your week, church.